Hello and welcome to Cavalcade of America from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. The DuPont Company of Wilmington, Delaware, makers of better things for better living through chemistry, presents the Cavalcade of America. Tonight's star... Dane Clark. The Case of Harold Thomas. Tonight's DuPont Cavalcade starring Dane Clark is a true case taken from the files of the criminal court of New York. Only the names are fictitious. My name is John Harvey. I'm a lawyer with the Legal Aid Society here in New York. I want to tell you about a case I handled recently, the case of, uh, well, let's call him Harold Thomas. Not his real name, but it'll do. The morning the case started, I was leaving home for the office. My... Yes, Betty? Don't you want to look at the mail before you go? Oh, it's nothing but bills. You look at them. This one isn't a bill. How do you know? Well, look at it. From Taylor Jennings and Forsyth, attorneys at law. Again, huh? Don't you want to look at it? I don't need to. I know what it says. Oh, don't be so smart. Quote, Dear John, we appreciate the fact that you are doing wonderful work with the Legal Aid Society. We know the tremendous satisfaction you must be giving you to know that you are helping those who need help so desperately. Where's my head? On the table. Oh, thanks, Betty. But we want to remind you that our offer of position with our firm is still open at the salary mentioned in my last letter, etc., 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 unquote. Oh, why don't you look at it? Maybe they've upped the salary. And if they have? Well... Of course, it's up to you, but... Yes, I know. It is a good offer. Okay, I'll take it with me. So long, darling. I'll be home early. At that time, I was on duty with three or four other lawyers from the society in felony court. The court where persons who are arrested are brought to be arraigned. We are there to represent any defendant who wants a counsel, but who can't afford to pay a private attorney. Harold Thomas was just such a defendant, one of the thousands we handle every year. This is the case of Harold Thomas. Are you Harold Thomas? Yeah. The complainant Robert Holmes states that on November 20th, 1950, you held him up with a gun on 108th Street and robbed him of $175. Holmes, do you swear that this affidavit's true? I do. Thomas, you may communicate free of charge with your friends or relatives. You may have an adjournment for the purpose of securing counsel, or if you cannot afford to secure counsel, the court will assign you counsel from legal aid. What's your wish? I'm not guilty. Do I need a lawyer to say I'm not guilty? You want a lawyer? Well, I just said Can I'm not... Can you afford to pay a lawyer? No, I can't afford no lawyer. I'm not guilty. This is a frame-up. In uh, looking over your past criminal record, Thomas... The court finds it hard to believe that this law-abiding, respectable citizen would frame you. I know, Judge. I got a record, but Do I can't... Do you want a lawyer? 
If I need one, I guess I better have one. But I'm innocent. All right. Assigned to legal aid. Legal aid. While I was walking back to the bullpen, a room with bars behind the courtroom, the detective who made the arrest spoke to me. You got a dead duck here, Mac. Well, we'll see. Take a look at his record. I know. Three strikes against him. Obvious. An open or shut case. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Only a long time ago, I made up my mind never to take the obvious for granted. Okay, Thomas. Thomas, we can talk over here. I told the judge I couldn't afford no lawyer. My name's Harvey. I'm from Legal Aid. This won't cost you anything. I don't get it. Well, I'll tell you all about it some other time. Now, I've got to find out about you. I'm innocent. This is a frame-up. Well, the judge doesn't seem to be inclined to believe that, considering your record. And I must say, it looks a little phony to me, too. I know I got a record, but I've served my time on those. I'm out of parole. All right, Thomas. I just don't want to stick my neck out and make a fool of myself unless you're telling me the truth. Now, what's your story? Mr. Harvey, you've got to believe me. A couple of weeks ago, I loaned Holmes five dollars. Well, I've had a hard time keeping a job. You don't know how a criminal record catches up with you. When my boss finds out what I, that I've been in jail, I get fired. So? so yesterday, I needed that five bucks back. I'm married. I got a kid. I wanted that five bucks to buy him something decent to eat for Thanksgiving. Go on. So I went up to Holmes. I asked him for my five bucks. And he said he wouldn't give it to me. And I said I had to have it. And he said he didn't have it. And what did you do? I told him I needed it bad. I wish he'd get it. And that was all? Yeah, that was all. I walked away. Next thing I know, a police car drives up to where I'm standing in front of my house and Holmes gets out with a detective and he says, that's the man, that's Thomas, that's the guy that held me up. What about this gun you're supposed to have held him up with? I haven't got any gun. I never did have one. Now listen, Mr. Harvey, you've got to believe me. I'm a third offender. If they get me for this, I'll be sent up for life. It's just his word against yours. Yeah, all right, I know. I got a record. Okay, I was wrong before. I made a mistake, but I paid for that. And now I've been trying to do everything I'm supposed to do on my parole. I got a nice wife and a Listen, kid. I... Thomas, you're absolutely right. You're entitled to every consideration we can get for you under the law. That's what I'm here for. I'm only telling you it looks bad, and it'll be worse if you're not telling me the truth. That's I'm all. telling you the truth, Mr. Harvey, honest All right, man. Thomas, all right. Now, let's see. Have you any idea why this home should want to frame you? Because he owed me five bucks. That's no reason for sending a man to prison for life. I tell you, that's what happened. I can't believe he'd do this if he knew what it meant. Look, you're around the courts all day. You know guys kill each other for less. So he's out of his mind. I don't know. Well, how come he borrows money from you? How come you lend him the money if you're so bad off? He was going to pay me back the next day. I thought maybe if I did something for him, he might put in a word for me somewhere. A job. Hmm. You never had any bad times with him? No, it's just that five bucks. He don't want to pay me that five, and he knows because of my record I'm a setup for a frame job. And I guess he was right, too, because everyone believes him. Even you do. All right, Thomas. Well, you sorry, do believe him, don't take you? Take it easy. Take it easy, will you? Now, relax. I'm going to stick my neck out for you. I'm going to believe you. Thanks, Mr. Harvey. Let's see. We'll ask for a hearing. That'll be this afternoon. And I'll see what I can get out of home. You'll lie. I'll tell you the same story over and over again. Have you any idea where he got this $175 he claims you stole? No. He's not a rich man carrying around that amount of money in his All country. I know is he'll lie to you. He'll lie. Well, maybe he will and maybe he won't. But it's the only chance we've got to get some lead from what he tells us. At the hearing that afternoon, I put Mr. Holmes on the stand. 
Mr. Holmes, do you solemnly swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth so help you, Bob? I most certainly do. All right. Sit down and give the clerk your name and address. Robert B. Holmes, 652 East 108th Street. Now, Mr. Holmes, will you tell us just what happened in your own words? Well, I was standing in front of a friend's house on 108th Street, and it was dark. And I I wasn't doing anything... Uh, speak up, please. I can't hear you. I said I wasn't doing anything in particular when I see Thomas coming towards me. I said hello to him. He said hello to me. And then before I knew what was happening, he pulled a gun on me. And what did you do? Well, I couldn't believe it. I said, Thomas, you aren't serious, are you? And he said he was, that I should give him everything I had. Yes, go on. Well, I knew this boy, Thomas. I knew he had a record. You knew that he had a record? Why, certainly. Everyone around knew it. And I decided I'd better not play around with him, and I handed over my money. And how much money did you hand over, Mr. Holmes? All I had on me, $175. Uh Now, Mr. Holmes, I know that you're interested in seeing justice done. Of course. That's why I had Thomas arrested. Then I know you won't mind answering a few more routine questions, will you? Certainly not. All right. Now, you say you work, Mr. Holmes. I wonder, would you mind telling us how much money you earn a week? I earn $60 a week. $60. You gamble, Mr. Holmes? Certainly not. You don't play the horses or the numbers or an occasional game of poker? I certainly do not. You can ask anyone in my neighborhood. I got a name up there for being straight. You can ask anyone. Well, I'm sure that won't be necessary, Mr. Holmes. Any money I get, I get from my work. And I might add, I've been working in the same place for 25 years, which will give you some idea of how I'm thought of. Yes, of course. I can see that you're a very steady man. And you said you earned how much a week, Mr. Holmes? $60 a week. That's before taxes. And I suppose, like the rest of us, you take that money home and give it to your wife? That's been my practice ever since I've been married. And she, no doubt, gives you back some for your daily expenses. Yes, about $8 a week. Which you spend on lunch and car fare and tobacco, I suppose. Huh? I don't use tobacco. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Now, Mr. Holmes, about how much on the average would you say you had left each week from this $8 that your wife gives you? Well, things are pretty high now, so I don't have more than about a dollar left each week, if I have that. I see. Then may I ask you, Mr. Holmes, how did you happen to have $175 on you, the money that you claimed the dependent stole from you? I got it for my brother. For your brother? Uh, I I don't understand. My brother, David C. Holmes, died in the city here on Monday. And I'd just gotten the money that morning to pay for his funeral expenses. And where did you say you got the money? From my postal savings account. The postal savings located in your neighborhood, I presume? Yes, just down the street from my house. Mr. Holmes, uh, did you ever borrow any money from the defendant, Harold Thomas? Borrow money from him? Why should I? I don't know why you should, Mr. Holmes, but did you? Well, certainly not. I work. I've got enough money of my own. All right, Mr. Holmes, thank you. That'll be all. Does the counsel for the defense wish to call anyone else? Oh, Your Honor. Does the district attorney... Oh, Your Honor. Very well. Held without bail for the grand jury. At the noon recess, when I returned to the legal aid office, Harold Thomas's wife was there to see me. Mr. Harvey, you can't let them send him to jail. You just can't. Mrs. Thomas, we'll do what we can. He did it for me and the kids. I told him not to Mrs. do Thomas, anything. Mrs. Thomas, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What are you saying? Harry's a nice man, Mr. Harvey. He tried to be a good husband. You don't know what he went through as a kid, living where he did. Parents who didn't care about him got going with the wrong bunch. Then he got himself in Yes, jail. I know all that, but you said he did it for the kid and you. What did you mean? What, what, what did he do? Harry tried to get work. To get work is what they taught him in jail. 
Jail, they taught him to be a barber. But I guess they don't know they won't give no license to a man who's got a record. So he couldn't do the only thing he knew how Mr. to do. Thomas, you oh, said a moment ago that he'd... he could around. But every time they learned he had a jail record, they threw him out. So what would you do, Mr. Harvey, with Thanksgiving coming up? And nothing in the house to give thanks with or for. Mrs. Thomas, are you trying to tell me that Harold told you that he was going out to steal some money? Well, he asked me what we were going to have for Thanksgiving dinner, and I said, nothing much. And he got up and got his hat and started for the door, and I said, where you going? He said he was going out to get us something so we could have a Thanksgiving But he dinner. didn't tell you that he was going to steal the money. No, but he said no, the please, kid... please, Miss Tom, listen to me. And when he came back, what happened? He didn't come back. Next thing I heard, he was at the police station. So he didn't bring the money back to you? No. Well, he didn't have it on him when they picked him up. He didn't? Mrs. Thomas, your husband tells me he was framed, that he didn't steal the money, that he didn't hold up Mr. Holmes. Is it possible? Do you think maybe he didn't? It's his word against Holmes, and Holmes has no record. Oh, Mr. Harvey, do something for Harry, please. Now, you must... Look, I, I haven't got any money, but... Look, Mr. Thomas, what we do here, we do for nothing if you can't afford it. I'm anything. sorry. But I must say that there's very little chance for him when his, his own wife thinks he did it. Oh, I'm so ashamed. I, I only thought... Yes, I know, from... I know. From his record, from his desperate circumstances, and from Mr. Holmes' position, you reach the same conclusion that a jury will reach if we can't do something. Oh, please, yes, please. What did you do? Well, you see, technically I'm out of the picture now, Mrs. Thomas. I've passed the case on to the man who will handle it when it comes up in general session. Well, couldn't you? Well, that's not the procedure here. We have men assigned to various courts. Oh, please. As a matter of fact, I may not even be with the legal aid when your husband's case comes up. So, all in all, it's better that it go right to the man who will handle it in general session. Well, all this I don't understand. Mm-hmm. I only know that maybe you could help my Harry. You've been good to him up there in the courtroom. I saw you. I know he trusts you. Mrs. Thomas, please, I haven't Mr. any... Harvey, if they send him away this time, it's forever... Yes, I know, I know. Oh, please do something. I don't know what, but don't just pass them along to someone else. <laughs> All right, Mrs. Thomas. I'll do something. I don't know what, but I'll do something. I guess I wasn't very good company for my wife that night. All through dinner, I kept thinking of Harold Thomas sitting in jail waiting for me to do something for him. Had he held up Holmes and stolen the $175 that Holmes claimed he'd just taken out of his postal savings to bury his brother? Or was Thomas being framed? Finally, while we were having coffee, my wife broke in on my thoughts. Penny for your thoughts? Hmm? If I had a penny. Things that bad, no pennies? I'm going to have to borrow from you to buy Thanksgiving dinner. Well, just be glad I don't have to go out and hold up a man to get money for Thanksgiving dinner. Mm. One of your cases today? Yeah. If he's convicted, he goes to jail for life. Oh. Um, were you right about the letter? Hmm? Um, what letter? The one from the law firm, Taylor Jennings and Forsyth, offering you that job. Oh, oh, I, I, I don't know. I didn't open it. Oh, now, look, honey, I don't want to nag. 
Oh, just of myself, but have you priced a pound of sirloin, Missy? All right, all right, dear. I've still got it in my pocket. Well, give it to me. I'll open it if you're afraid to. Okay, yeah. Oh, wait a minute now. I've got some notes on the back of the envelope. I want to keep that. Here's a letter. Dear John, this is just another reminder that the offer still stands. It's not in any sense our last offer, but we would appreciate it if you would make your decision soon. Yours truly, Frank Home Taylor. Service. He drew one hundred and seventy-five dollars from his savings, which is more than we have. Well, what'd you say? Skip it. Did you uh, hear the letter? Um, no. I, I'm sorry. Now you were right. The offer is the same. It hasn't been upped, but it's still a nice one. And it's still worth considering. Betty, Betty, what time does the Department of Health open in the morning? Oh, I don't know. But I'll bet whatever time it is, you'll be there, hot on the trail of something or other. Betty was right. On the way to the office the next morning, the day before Thanksgiving, I stopped in at the Department of Health to check with my contact girl there. Hi, Janie. Gee, you're the early bird this morning. Been waiting for you, honey. I I, I want to check on a desk. Okie doke, but you got to give me half a sec to hang up my thing. Sure, 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 sure. Oh, you're always in such a rush, Mr. Harvey. What kind of a case you on now? Well, you might call it the uh, wild goose chase case. Oh, that's <laughs> a tongue twister, all right. Now, what can I do to oblige? I want to check on the death of a man named David C. Holmes, died in the city last Monday. Holmes, H-O-L-M-E-S. Mm, Okie doke. David C. Holmes. Mm-hmm. How'd you come out on that last case you was asking about? Oh, I, I lost that one. Well, you can't be lucky all the time. That's right. So I was reading a detective story last night about a private eye that always got his man. Jamie. It was the darndest case. You see, this man was murdered Jamie, in a hotel. Jamie, Jamie, I... Jamie, please. Oh, Jamie, will you, you get the... guys are always so intense. I don't see why I can't tell you about this detective story while I'm looking up this dope for you. Or don't you think I can do two things at once? Honey, I'm sure you can do six things at once. Well, here we are. Mm. We got a Hobart and a, and a Hopper, but no home. Are you sure David C. Holmes? No. Nobody by that name died in the city last week. No David C. Holmes was buried unless he was buried without a death certificate. Without a death certificate? Does that ever happen? Listen, everything happens. We got a report only the other day of a guy who died and who'd been buried without our knowing about it. Only it was the queerest thing. You see... Janie, that... excuse me, excuse me. Tell me one thing. It, it, it's rare, isn't it? Sure it's rare, but it happens. Like I was telling you... Bye, Janie, that... thanks. Look, Buster, will you tell me one thing? Do you want it that this guy Holmes died or didn't die? I'll tell you when it's over, honey. Thanks for the dope. So long. <laughs> My next stop was the grocery store in Holmes' neighborhood. No, signora, no, no, il prezzo di burro, no. No, the price of water has not gone down. It has gone up. And I wish you'd stop calling me to ask me, eh? Oh, mamma mia, all of the time she called me to ask if the price of butter has gone down. No, but she expects me to do. Excuse me, are you Mr. Fortuno? Uh, which Mr. Fortuna? My father is a Mr. Fortuna. My son is a Mr. Fortuna, too. I am not for them, but I am Mr. Fortuna. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, look, my name is Harvey. I'm from an agency that's trying to get some information on Mr. David C. Holmes. Oh, you mean a Mr. Robert Holmes? No, 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 no. David C. Holmes. I think he's Robert Holmes' brother. Brother? Uh, I never heard of no brother. He's got the six sisters he's always talking about. 
You sure he's got no brother? Look, mister, for 20 years he come here to buy. You can ask my father, you can ask my son, but Mr. Holmes has got no brother. This was all very encouraging, but it didn't necessarily prove anything. I'd know far more after visiting the postal savings branch where Mr. Holmes claimed to have an account an account from which he had drawn $175 to bury his brother. Well, Mr. Harvey, all I can tell you is that Mr. Holmes does have an account with Well, can't you tell me the amount? No, that's confidential. Well, can you tell me if he made a withdrawal of $175 recently? No, I, I can't tell you that either. Look, sir, I'm trying. I'm trying to save a man from going to jail for life on a frame-up. I've got to have this information. I'm sorry. Well, if I have the court issue a subpoena, you'll give it to me. Well, you can't subpoena the United States government, Mr. Harvey. You can if it's willing to be subpoenaed. Yeah, but in this instance, you'd have to get permission from higher authority. Well, let's start up the ladder, then. Who do I see first? I finally got permission to subpoena the records. I didn't know what they contained, possibly information that would hurt my case. But since that was the only way I could see them, I had to take the chance. Thanksgiving Day in jail didn't seem so bad for Thomas when he learned that the judge would reopen the hearing of his case the following day. Is the counsel for the defense ready? Yes, Your Honor. I would like to question the complainant in the case, Mr. Robert Holmes. Mr. Robert Holmes, take the stand. Mr. Holmes, do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you, God? I do. Mr. Holmes. I would like you to tell us again what you told us on the stand the other day, the facts of this case. Well, it's like I said. I see Thomas coming towards me, and I said, hello. And he said, hello to me. Then he pulls out a gun, and I said, Thomas, you aren't serious. And he said he was. That'll be all for now, Mr. Holmes. You may step down. I'd like to call my next witness, Miss Jane Watkins of the Department of Health. According to the records of the Department of Health, no person by the name of David C. Holmes was buried in the city of New York the week of November 18th. Mr. Enrico Zaccanino Fortuno. Mr. Holmes ain't got no brother. He is all the time telling me how it was to be the only son in a family of a woman. Mr. Henry Martin of Postal Savings. So Mr. Holmes does have an account with us, a, a very modest account. Did he make a withdrawal of $175 last week? Mr. Holmes hasn't made a withdrawal in over six months. Now, Mr. Holmes, perhaps you'd like to tell us again the facts in the case. Well, you, you, you got me all wrong. You see, my brother didn't live around here. He, he lived up in Alaska. And the account from which you drew the money, was that in Alaska too, Mr. Holmes? No, no, I, I had the money. I, I, I just had it on me and... You, you, you've got this thing all mixed Mr. up. Mr. Holmes, I can't understand what would make a man put another man's freedom in jeopardy. What warped motives, what viciousness, Oh, Mr. What... Harvey, the court shares your indignation, but this will all be gone into at another time. Has the counsel for the defense the motion to make? Yes, Your Honor. I move that the case against Harold Thomas be dismissed. Mr. Harvey, yesterday was Thanksgiving... Did you think of me, Mr. Harvey? Well, Your Honor, I'm sure you didn't. And why should you? But I want you to know, and I want this whole court to know, that I thought of you. And I thanked God for you and for the Legal Aid Society 
which you represent. From the case which we have before us, it is clear that it is just as important that the defendant charged with a crime have counsel to protect his rights as it is that the community through the district attorney's office have counsel to protect its rights. What greater reproach could there be to democracy than that anyone should lose his just rights because he is without means to defend them? Al Thomas. Yes, Your Honor. This court owes you an apology. I herewith dismiss the case of Harold Thomas and instruct the district attorney to hold Mr. Robert Holmes on a charge of perjury. And that's the case of Harold Thomas. As for the case of yours truly, John Harvey... When I went home that night and told my wife what had happened in court, what the judge had said, she smiled. And then she tore up the letter from Taylor, Jennings, and Forsyth. And so here I am, still with the Legal Aid Society, preparing to defend my present client, who you may be surprised to learn is none other than Robert Holmes. But guilty or innocent, he will have his defense. His rights will be preserved. We will see to it that he gets equal justice under the law. Our thanks to Dane Clark and the Cavalcade Players for tonight's story about the Legal Aid Society, which this year celebrates its 75th anniversary. We wish them continued success in their good work. Next week, Louis Calhern stars in the DuPont Cavalcade in a lusty story about a man who could handle whales and villains. Be sure to listen. Tonight's DuPont story was written by Robert Anderson based on factual material from the files of the Legal Aid Society. Music was composed by Arden Cornwell, conducted by Donald Boris. The program was directed by John Zoller. This is Cy Harris speaking. Don't forget next week... Louis Calhoun, the DuPont Cavalcade of America comes to you from the Belasco Theater in New York and is sponsored by the DuPont Company of Wilmington, Delaware, makers of better things for better living through chemistry. Later, it's Fibber McGee. Next, it's Baby Snooks on NBC.